Hello, everyone, and welcome to this Walnut Wednesday edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In this week's Walnut Wednesday Report, Taylor Charlstrom will be talking about Crane Walnut's contribution to the Nichols Soil Lab fundraiser and why they're supporting the cause. And I'll bring you regional and national agricultural news, beginning with regional ag news right after this. Sponsored by the California Walnut Board and Commission. Supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together. The California Department of Food and Agriculture has established an assessment rate for citrus producers, a 3.2 cents per 40-pound standard field box for the 2022 to 2023 marketing season. The marketing season runs now through September 30th of 2023. The assessment applies to all types and varieties of citrus as defined by the California Citrus Research Program, marketed by producers and received by handlers or processors during the season. The assessment was recommended by the Citrus Research Board, Funds generated by the assessment are used to conduct general production research, a variety improvement research program, a quality assurance program on agricultural chemical residues, pest and disease control functions, and other activities pertinent to the California citrus industry. The Community Alliance with Family Farmers has published an interview with Sarah Standiford of the California Department of Food and Agriculture's Produce Safety Program as part of a Food Safety Modernization Act case study series. The interview highlights how California farms can prepare for FSMA produce safety rule inspection. The Q&A format reviews the background of why CDFA performs these inspections on behalf of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration and steps that occur during an inspection and tips for farmers preparing for an inspection. CDFA really values soft skills in their inspectors and they understand that growers as farms are their livelihoods, according to Staniford. CDFA's produce safety program is here to help farmers feel comfortable with the FSMA produce safety requirements and to foster compliance with the produce safety rule. It's a shared responsibility between growers, inspectors, and farm employees, and they all need to work together to keep food safe. The interview is available online at caff.org. High prices persist for leaf, iceberg, and romaine lettuce markets in early November, but volume is ramping up in desert-growing regions. In a crop update this week from Marcon Cooperative, they say rain in Huron, Oxnard, Salinas, and Santa Maria, California, on November 7th and 8th has further tightened the remaining supply. Suppliers of all three commodities have not been able to fulfill 100% of their weekly contract commitments or regular open market business over the past six weeks, according to Marcon, which has led up to record prices. Quality challenges include bottom rot, mildew pressure, premature pinking, and shortened shelf life may be observed in finished packs following the recent rain events. Many suppliers started harvest in the desert regions of Yuma, Arizona, and Imperial Valley, California. Production will continue to ramp up over the next few weeks. Initial quality in the Arizona to California desert regions is very good. Lightweights, cedar, and wind damage are present in some of the first lots. Expect markets to remain firm through the end of the month as markets will begin to soften and supplies in the Arizona and California desert increase. Markets will remain firm for the next few days and then will begin to soften as supplies in the Arizona and California desert increase. 
Organic Farms out of Watsonville, California, is now shipping organic early Valencia oranges from Mexico. Because of this year's early cool weather in the region, President Andy Martin notes they are able to start the season about eight weeks earlier than last year. The first loads are seeing a BRICS rating of 10. The oranges are sweeter than they normally have at this time of the year. ANA Organic Farms has year-round citrus programs that include organic Valencia oranges, lemons, and limes. The organic Valencia oranges are available from November to May. The organic lemons are available September to November, and organic limes are available year-round. Supplies of grapes are good out of California. They just had a rain, so they'll have to see if there's any effect on a fruit that's remaining to pick, according to Scott Reed with Pandall Brothers. The fruit condition on the later varieties in a California season has been very good, as opposed to last year when they had the rain earlier and started to experience some condition issues. Reed notes that the condition of the fruit has been excellent and can remain in storage for a number of weeks. He says they just need to see how the balance of the season progresses through November and December. Currently, the industry is moving largely Autumn King for green seedless and on red seedless. It's mostly Scarletta, Allison, and Jack Salute varieties. At the same time, demand is good and looks similar to this time last year. Pricing is also similar to last year, though green seedless grape pricing is slightly stronger. Green seedless pricing will also continue to strengthen due to the supply remaining in California. The condition of the fruit has been such that it has allowed them to pick and choose the FOB prices to a certain degree, whereas last year they had more pressure with the rain they received and the condition of the fruit, he says. Reed adds that trying to keep pace on FOB prices with the general growing cost increases to ensure growers are able to continue to plant new vineyards and varieties has been the biggest challenge this season. Then over on imports, Reed says that Pandal Brothers will receive its first red seedless grapes from Peru on the East Coast this month and will start transitioning customers with a majority transitioning to Peruvian fruit. The transition this year is earlier than last year. If you're a farmer who understands the challenges of finding an adequate workforce, you've now got new revisions to the H-2A visa program. Kate Tainan, Senior Vice President at the Northwest Horticultural Council, says most of the changes make the regulatory and financial burden worse on H-2A users. Unfortunately, the impact is fairly small in terms of the day-to-day operations of the program. I say unfortunate because, to your point, worker shortages have become such a significant issue. And, you know, growers have increasingly been left with two options to to get the growers they need to grow and harvest their crop. And that's either use this program or, or frankly, go out of business. Tainan says it should fit more farmers' everyday needs. So we really needed to see some meaningful changes to make this program more functional for growers of all sizes, and we just did not see that. You know, there were certainly changes made procedurally. Most of them actually posed the risk of making the program more costly and more burdensome for folks. Tainan says the one thing they were watching was what they were going to do with federal requirements like state prevailing wage surveys. Washington State is one of the few states in the nation that conducts prevailing wage surveys. And our industry has frankly had a lot of concerns regarding the transparency of that process and the accuracy of the wages that were being reported out as a part of these prevailing wage surveys. Experts say the stricter demands and increased costs may dissuade farmers from using H-2A or growing labor-intensive crops altogether, ultimately making the U.S. more dependent on food imports. Do you know the nutrient use efficiency people? Yes, I'm talking about the folks at Verdesian Life Sciences that deliver crop insights and solutions so California crops grow to their full potential. 
from micros with a proprietary delivery system to solutions that help improve the uptake and assimilation of applied nutrients. Visit VLSCI.com to learn more about Verdesian solutions or to connect with a local representative right here in California. Nickel Soil Lab in Arbuckle, California is an almond and walnut research powerhouse funded privately that has contributed immensely to the advancements in management for both industries. There is currently a fundraiser for Nichols to keep this valuable research alive, and walnut grower and processor Crane Walnut Shelling has contributed immensely to the cause. Hal Crane explained why he believes in what Nichols has done and is still doing for the California walnut industry. Everything from uh, different trials of uh, soil preparation pre-plant, being slip plowing uh, versus not slip plowing, and uh, uh, excavation of uh, planting sites, etc., has been experimented with there, you know, at the onset of the planting. And since it's been planted, there's just been a n- numerous things. It's basically a research lab. So they've done uh, pruning experimentation that's been uh, extremely beneficial to the industry. Uh, different irrigation uh, trials have been done at the plot. Uh, uh, Nichols is, for me personally, was the first experimental block that I'd seen on high density or even I call it ultra high density walnut planting, Pedro. Uh, they'd been around before Nichols, but it was one that, uh, you know, as a pub member of the public could go, you know, watch it from planting all the way on through and uh, with all the uh, production records and what have you being public. Uh, then experimenting on that high density planting uh, with different pruning techniques and what have you to try to make it sustainable over time. So it was kind of on the forefront of that. And that's been a huge benefit uh, to us to watch over the years and I think uh, to the industry as a whole. Crane said that while much of the advancements in research Nichols has contributed to would have likely been realized eventually in state-funded research at some point, the Nichols research has helped heavily expedite the process and realize better management practices for growers in less time. Additionally, it's allowed for more extreme practices to be experimented with on non-grower land. Being able to watch them try these things and uh, open to the public and having field days on it, a lot of the more extreme things that might have been experimented with, when you're doing that on your own land, you're a little more uh, reluctant to take big swings at things, right, that are kind of game changers. So you end up maybe to the finish point of what you learn from Nichols, but it takes longer because usually as a grower on on your own land outside of a research plot, you're, you're not as aggressive on some of the experimental things. So that's where it's been. It's moved the it's moved the needle in a in a faster fashion than would have happened grower community. A lot of the growers, I think, it, it, you know, uh, experiment with a lot of things as well. But uh, but Nichols was quite aggressive. Uh, when I say high density, it was very very high density plantings that you know I, at the time I thought was crazy. Well, you know, we weren't far off of that on a lot of the hedgerows we put in. Might have been a little bit wider spacing than what they did, but at least we know what got a good idea what the limitations were. And then from that, we can make adjustments on what we think is ideal in our own case. Crane made it a point to iterate that while many benefits for growers have been realized, there is still more to be seen in research and thus a key reason to keep Nichols up and running. A lot of people probably, they've attained a lot of benefit. And I would probably suspect that some might say that, you know, we've got a lot of the benefit there, you know, moving forward, how important is it going to be? Maybe of less importance because they've kind of run through, you know, a whole generation of walnuts and uh, and at least one, if not more, on the almonds. Uh, some of it's on second generation 
uh, I'm certain of, and I don't know if, if more than that. But the there's a lot of things to be learned yet. Uh, so on the walnut side of things, they've got a nematode uh, trial. So when you pull an orchard out, you know, second generation poses a whole new set of challenges. So there's a, a plot that went in that uh, has some nematode uh, rootstocks that are experimental, trying to come up with some uh, university releases on on some beneficial rootstocks. So I would say that uh, uh, while we the, the low-hanging fruit, so to speak, was attained early on, there's still a lot to be gained. And, uh, again, everything to do with second generation, et cetera. Uh, with these challenging times with water, you know, there might be some water quality issues that, that can be experimented with and what have you on some things that we might have to deal with in the future. So we wanted to uh, uh, participate, uh, one, in appreciation of what's already been done, and then uh, try to see if we can't get some support uh, from industry members for also not just for what's been done as a thank you, but also what is still yet to be done in the future there. Crane said that their donation to the Nichols fundraiser is meant to support the operation, which is about a third walnut acreage compared to almonds, and incentivize the rest of the walnut industry to also participate. So we'll match a dollar for each $2 uh, from the walnut industry uh, 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 to help on our side of things. Like when I say our side of things, we're all in it together as farmers, but trying to trying to get kick the ball off to get the, the walnut people interested. So we're doing a, a one to two uh, match uh, to walnut industry members. And that's till the total is uh, is up to 70,000 total. So that's roughly what, 23, 24,000 that we're, we're going to, we're going to match to try to get to that $70,000 on the, on the walnut side. And we're hoping uh, the almond side uh, can get, get some support going and maybe some creative ways to, to stimulate some support on that side as well. You're listening to My Ag Life. I'm Taylor Tallstrom. Sponsored by the California Walnut Boarding Commission. Supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together. The American Farm Bureau Federation has weighed in with its post-election analysis and possible impacts for the Farm Bill and other key issues for producers. AFBF Political Affairs Director Cody Lyons says a likely GOP majority in the House means a new ag chair. Could be going to G.T. Thompson from uh, Pennsylvania as the new chair. Uh, and the question would be, you know, who's going to be the ranking member on the Democratic side? Would David Scott remain uh, as ranking member? He, he's from Georgia and has been chair for the last few years. Also, will ag members be mostly freshmen or more seasoned lawmakers with farm bill experience? It's going to be extremely uh, narrow partisan margin in the Senate, absolutely. Uh, it's, it all kind of depends on how four uh, key races fall. With the Senate majority and next ag chair likely hanging on a December Georgia runoff, current chair Debbie Stabenow was not up for re-election. Ranking Republican John Boozman won another term. Lyon predicts the two will continue to work together no matter the outcome on issues of immediate concern to producers. Farm programs or conservation programs through environmental energy research. They're going to touch on all of those key aspects of the farm bill. And then, you know, where does nutrition fit in? On the House side, energy policy could play big for Republicans topping climate issues. Energy policy overall, especially with the current price of diesel fuel and its impact on farmers and ranchers and rural communities around the country. While farm tax policies and ag spending will also be key, focusing attention not just on the Ag Committee, but ways and means and appropriations. 
The Department of Agriculture began mailing ballots for the Farm Service Agency County and Urban County Committee elections. Elections are occurring in certain local administrative areas for these committee members who make important decisions about how federal farm programs are administered locally. FSA Administrator Zach Dushnow says voting in these elections is the opportunity to help ensure county committees reflect the diversity of agriculture. Producers must participate or cooperate in an FSA program to be eligible to vote in a county committee election. A cooperating producer is someone who has provided information about their farming or ranching operation, but may not have applied or received FSA program benefits. Producers who are not of legal voting age, but supervise and conduct farming operations for an entire farm are eligible to vote in these elections. Producers and landowners must return ballots to their local FSA county office or have their ballots postmarked by December 5th of 2022 in order for these ballots to be counted. In fiscal year 2021, USDA Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program served an average of 41.5 million people monthly. USDA's Economic Research Service has reported the 2021 figure is an increase of about 5.8 million per month compared with fiscal year 2019. SNAP participation increased nationwide during the COVID-19 pandemic to around 12.5% of the total U.S. population in 2021 from about 10.9% in 2019. In addition, SNAP participation data in February of 2019 were artificially low because of the federal government shutdown at the time, impacting the average participation rate. SNAP participation also varied across states because of differences in program administration and economic conditions. Over this two-year period, 41 states saw an increase in SNAP participation. Training the next generation of crop insurance agents, adjusters, and educators within underserved communities is the focus of two new risk management agency partnership investments. USA Ag News reporter Rod Bain. Among USDA risk management agency efforts in educating crop insurance agents, adjusters, and policyholders, RMA has invested $3.19 million since 2021. Those involve partnerships with 25 projects across the country. Now, RMA Administrator Marsha Bunger says an additional investment of $3.3 million will utilize two partnerships in training the next generation of crop insurance agents, adjusters, and outreach educators, particularly among underserved communities. The Southern Risk Management Education Center at the University of Arkansas, the partnership with the Intertribal Ag Council. Additional information about crop insurance options for underserved, specialty crop, organic, and small-scale producers is available through a new virtual roadshow presented November 15th and December 13th at www.rma.usda.gov's Outreach and Education webpage. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. The Natural Resources Conservation Service is encouraging farmers to keep the tillage equipment in the machine shed during no-till November. In a campaign first launched in 2017, the NRCS project is a conservation twist on the National Cancer Awareness No-Shave November campaign that encourages people not to shave during the entire month. The NRCS campaign encourages farmers to keep the stubble on their harvested crop fields. The campaign has reached more than 2 million people nationally through Twitter and the local media since 2017. Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. We deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. Bee Hero accurately evaluates your bees' pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure. 
Be precise. Be hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales at 559-467-9699. Be hero. Superior bees, superior pollination. There's giant potential sleeping in your soil. Under drought conditions, it's never been more important to wake it up. Phycoterra, a superior soil microbial food, activates the native microbes responsible for your soil's health and water-holding capacity. Adding Phycoterra to your crop increases water retention up to 10% and optimizes crop nutrient availability. Plus, it delivers excellent mixability and application flexibility, making it easy to add to your existing crop input strategy. Visit Phycoterra.com to learn how you can wake up your soil's giant potential with Phycoterra. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcast, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Net Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. 